Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. I didn't know that. I didn't either. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. Interesting. Mm. That's why you need Robert Half. Yep. I don't think that's a person. That's the company. Okay, I was confused. Yeah, their specialized recruiting professionals engage with their proprietary AI. Welcome to connect businesses (laughs) of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. See, at Robert Half, they know talent. I wish I had had Robert half back in the day oh, when I was hiring. Okay. So, no offense, Sona. Oh, it, it, I feel like you did mean to offend me. Yes, you wouldn't be here if I had had Robert Half. Okay. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hi, my name is Molly Shannon. And I feel proud to be your friend, Conan. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes. Are you and really proud? Proud and- um, Take it Yeah, easy. I would say proud. Proud kind of to shouting. be your friend. Okay, I you're brag shouting. about it. <laughs> you're shouting. <now. laughs> you really? I, exactly. You I'm know, selling the world. <laughs> but that is the word that comes to mind, proud. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. A terrific podcast, if I do say so myself. I tripped over the word podcast. <laughs> you did. And you know what? That means it's not a terrific podcast. No, you by knew definition. Freudian, you were lying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's true. What did I say? Did I say podcast? It sounded like you said podcast. Do you still think you host a show? <laughs> yeah, we've turned this off long ago. It doesn't I know. So what am I doing? <laughs> we do this all for your ego. This thing never sees the light of day. That's funny because if you knew how many people come up to me every day oh. and shout buzzwords from this podcast. <laughs> mm. Like podcast? Yeah, that'll be a new one. Podcast. <laughs> hey, Conan, like the podcast. <laughs> And I won't even know what they're talking about. I've had people recognize my voice. Yeah, that's really we're, we're, cool. That wait, doesn't so happen. So they heard to me. you across a room. Okay, Matt. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, no, what are you trying to seriously. say right They've now? They heard you from three counties over. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. You have recognize a, your voice. You have a uh, loud. You're a loud woman. Yes, I am a loud woman, and yes, they have heard me from, from across the room. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're so. one of the loudest. I got upset at you, but you're totally right. Uh, you're one of the loudest people I've ever met. Okay. 
Seriously, no, I'm not. you are very I know, loud. I know a friend of yours who's even louder than I am. I, we're, I know the friend you're talking about. Like he's much one of my good friends. Yes. He's he's quite loud. Yeah. I think you blow him out of the water. Mm. I grew up in a very loud environment. I come from a very loud people, and we are loud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Just when it's, you I try get it. so defensive. So why would you say that it's not true? Because I feel like you're coming at me from like a very judgmental not perspective. Not at all. I think it's great. If you're ever lost in the forest- I'll find you instantly. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd like to go hiking with you just because I wouldn't need a whistle. Huh. You could just start in a normal conversational tone saying, hmm, maybe we should get lunch and park rangers would hear you nine miles away. Okay. I will say that I'm recording at home, but I have your microphone here and I'm picking you up for this podcast. All right, this is fun. Okay, this is fun. <laughs> this is so fun. Wait, what? you're just picking up her voice from a microphone that's sticking out your window? <gasps> yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> traveling from, from Hollywood to Pasadena. <laughs> yes. Wow, and it comes in perfectly fine. Sona, I think you're, you know this. I think you're oh. terrific. I oh. think you're terrific. I hate this. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're going to say, but I, a, I hate it so much. You're a good friend. You're a great assistant. You're you're loyal. Ugh. You are so loud. You know what's funny is oh this Oh, God, is, just say it a little. I know. I was going to say, this is years <laughs> after me controlling it because really? people have called me out on it so much. If I really want to talk normally, right this is it. I, oh, wow. That's yeah. it. Wow. This is my actual voice that oh. I want, that I have to subdue because people like you- Stop it. Cars are crashing right now. <laughs> <laughs> because people listen to this while they're commuting. And right now people are reaching for the volume button and their cars are going off the embankment. The windows in my office just shattered. <laughs> um, Jesus, I hate it here so much. Well, how, what do you do? Because you have twins now that need to be put to bed. I bet you're very quiet when it's time for them to go to sleep. I'm quiet. And then it gets loud in my house just because mm. there's so many... Ethnic people just walking in. And out. People you're related to, <laughs> or yes, just my, they are my Armenian all, relatives. It's an it's a small world ride at your house. Yeah, it's awful. Like, <laughs> well, I'll just put them down. There'll be a noise machine, and then the door will open. Oki will start barking. People will be like, "What's going on here?" And then, like, you know, it, then they're awake. It's Is this awful. your parents? Is this it's your everyone? It's my parents. It's tax parents. It's my you know cousins. My brother. And do the then do they play uh, their ancestral instruments? How does it? <laughs> okay. I can't, you can't. I don't know. What's, isn't there a drum that the Armenians have and a, and a fife? What, what is it? It's a dunbeg <laughs> and a duduk. A what? A dunbeg. That's the drum. And then dunbeg. Don't, and don't a call duduk us is a dunbeg and a duduk. <laughs> dunbeg and dudu? Is that true? Did you have a dumbak and a doo-doo at your wedding? I remember there <laughs> was there a dumbak yes. and doo-doo at your wedding? Yeah, when we first walk into the wedding, I remember there that. was an accompaniment. I thought someone had backed into some trash cans. I'm sorry. Uh. You're listening to Dumbak and Doo-doo in the morning. Yeah. That's the yeah, guess what? That's the in, in Yerevan in Armenia, that is the wacky drive time show. <laughs> it's Dumbak and Doo-doo! <laughs> Dumbak and Doo-doo! With Sonam Obsession broadcasting live from Los Angeles without a mic. <laughs> they can hear me in Armenia. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. They don't think you ever left. No. People are like, they just set up Sona's done very here. well. She never went to America. I heard her this morning. Well, it's Dumbak. I love Dumbak and Dudu. I was born in yeah. this country. Were you at all... Tempted to name your twin sons Dumbak and Dudu. <laughs> I was not at all ever. No. Dumbak, Dudu. 
Come to mama. I hate when I teach you new things Don't about buy, Armenians because no. then you just do this all the time. Dumbak, Dudu, I bought you a bicycle built for two. Dumbak, Dudu, put that back. <laughs> oh, look, the rap sign. <laughs> I don't see it. It's right there. Nope. I no, see nothing. I was just, that was just, I was fanning myself. That's not a rap sign. <laughs> all right, we'll look for our other podcasts. We'll be broadcast in the morning in Armenia. Dumbak and Dudu. <laughs> Yeah, those two wild men are going to shake things up in our Armenian drive time radio. All right, we have an excellent show today. My guest <sighs> is a hilarious actress who was a cast member on Saturday Night Live, uh, where she was known for characters like Mary Catherine Gallagher. You where, said uh, sorry, Catherine. Yeah. You know, I'm, my, maybe I'm sorry, you messed podcast. up. <laughs> Let's try it again. Where she was uh, known for such characters as Mary Catherine Gallagher and Sally O'Malley. Now you can see her in the Showtime series. I love that for you. She also has a new memoir, Hello Molly, out now. This book is terrific, by the way. I'm very excited to chat with her today. Molly Shannon, welcome. First of all, um, I adore you. You know that. Thank you. And um, I am very happy today to be talking about your book because a lot of celebrities, famous people write books and- a lot of them just do it because, okay, I can do this. You have such an amazing story to tell. Oh, just you. an incredible story, and it's beautifully told. Thank you. So I'm Kevin. happy about that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also um, thrilled about a million different things that you've been doing on television. Mm -hmm. And so you were at my uh, house yes. not long ago yeah. uh, at a party, and I just, I think, uh, if you recall, I was just talking to you about how you're just hitting on all cylinders, and it oh. made me really happy. Thank you, Colin. Yeah, and then I tried to yeah, hug that. you. And and you were like, hey, whoa, remember that? And then Liza oh. said, you know, Conan, you got to go upstairs now. Remember that? So funny. Oh, I didn't I think did, it was I funny. Know. Right it, was, it, it was, it got a little uncomfortable. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Wait, you know what's I so funny? I held you and you said, I think that's long enough. And I said, just a little more, just God. a little more. And you Here. said, hey, whoa. And then I didn't, you blew a whistle. <laughs> I remember? And I was escorted out of my own home. Oh no. Which is embarrassing to be taken, to be ejected from your own but home. But it wasn't the first time. <laughs> it was the ninth time. And that was just that holiday season. <laughs> Constantly being thrown out of my own home. Mm -hmm. But you did the right thing. You stood yeah, up to me. I'm just crazy. I don't it know. was important. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've always felt a very special kinship to you. You and I were both hit over the head at birth with a massive sack of Irish Catholic. Oh my God. Um, heavy on the Irish, heavy on the Catholic. And um, I think we have similar craziness yeah. uh, running through our brains. And so I've been very happy to get you on the show. But another thing is that we, I'm over here on this side of town a lot. Yeah. And uh, I'm here because we do the podcast here. And our head writer, Matt O'Brien, lives over here. Oh, yeah. So a lot of times I'll, um, I'll hook up with him and we'll get a bite to eat and we'll walk around. And every single time we pass this beautiful house and he goes, oh, that's uh, Molly Shannon's house. <laughs> And every time, no, no, he does it because he's, I think you've met him a few times, but he's just like, oh my God, it's such a, and, and I, he points out the house and then um, he knows your security code, which is weird. <laughs> it's not enough. You get kicked out of your own house. You got to drive by hers. Yeah, I know. I, I, whenever I get kicked out of my house, 
I walk over in this part of town. I won't say where it is, but I will say the street and the number. Um, but no, uh, we pass it and it's this, you know, very nice house. Yeah. And I always think the same thing, which is I have this urge to go up and knock on the door because oh. you're that kind of person. Like yeah, I would never I do would that. I would love that. I would never do that with anybody. It would be like you and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Those are the two oh. I'd feel comfortable <laughs> knocking on the door. Wow. Well, I just would knock on the door and he'd answer and he's probably wearing like some silk robe and I would start fighting him. <laughs> but you- well, I, you should oh, do that sometimes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I want to explain this to uh, all our listeners around the world. This is something that nobody does in LA. Yeah. It's an unwritten rule that you never do that. Yeah. And it's considered weird. And I'm always thinking, oh, I just want to go knock on the door because it's Molly. I love Molly. Yeah, yeah. And I've met your husband a bunch of times and I love him, Fritz. Yeah. And I just am like, knock on the door and- Maybe you'll answer. Yeah. And then um, I see us like playing a board game or something. Oh, what? No matter what you're doing. Oh, <laughs> but is this the but, same with Jean Claude Van Damme? Oh, Jean Claude Van Damme. We play Twister. Okay. But again, that turns into a kicking fight. <laughs> I don't know. That's You know what's so funny, Conan? Um, I've always wanted to be the type of person that's so relaxed that if somebody did that, I'd be like, come on in. Like it's it's a very Irish thing. Like, yes. come have a spot of tea or a, oh. or a glass of whiskey. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> or have, have, have several bottles of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on in. Come There's on a, in. I just put some peat on the fire. We'll sit around and tell stories. Exactly. So I, but I feel like everybody's so busy nowadays and this and that. We're both parents and we work in this, but I do fantasize about being that type of person yes. who's like really in the moment and like, come on in. Um, but you know what's so funny? Mike White's producer, Dave Bernad, does do that. Really? He'll be like, ding dong. He'll be like, um, Molly, Lucas Gage and I are driving around. Can we come over? And they do come over. Yeah. But they do still call And they first. stop over. I mean, he does text first to say, I'm nearby. Are you there? The one person- So I the love one, that. The one person I know in Los Angeles who will crash- into my house and not call ahead or anything. Adam is, Sandler? Yes. I knew it. <laughs> How did you know that? Because I just know. Because oh I know God, Adam. That's crazy. Wow. Adam, right? So I've been in my house and I hear, Cody! <laughs> Cody! And he doesn't even ring. There's like a bell. No. He doesn't even ring the bell. Cody! <laughs> Cody! And I answer the door and he'll come in and he's always wearing the same thing. He'd be wearing it, uh, you know, walking down the street or playing basketball or uh, if he gets a Nobel Prize and they put a medal around his neck, He'll be wearing the those kind of long basketball gym shorts, gym yes. shorts and big puffy sneakers and like a tank top. He comes crashing in the house. He'll be with his kids. He'll be like, come on. Hey, Coney, Coney, Coney. And he'll immediately say, we can't stay. We can't stay. We can't stay. We got to go. I know you don't want us here. And I'll be like, no, Adam, this is yeah. great. Have a seat. We'll watch you. No, no, no. And then within 30 seconds, we got to go. This man, we're not wanted. <laughs> and then he and his kids will go piling out of the house. And I won't even know what happened. That, but I can't believe you guessed it. I guessed it. I know that. You know why, too? Because I was just in Hawaii. And with my kids, Stella, Nolan, and all right. their friends, I took a bunch of kids to Hawaii, oh. and we were all having so much fun. And Adam was there, too. And I was like, come over. And right. they did. They came to the hotel. And, you know, Adam is very much like that, I think. Oh, he's, you know? sort, so of like, he's sort of like a, a more deranged version of Zorba the Greek. Like, <laughs> he's he's he just, when, when he's around, he's like, hey, let's go. Come over here. Let's have cookies. Let's get a milkshake. You know, he's he's you know, so high on everyone getting together and having a good time. It's so funny that you just mentioned 
Hawaii because you mentioned it and I pictured you in White Lotus. Yeah. And it's so funny because I just now, I don't know how Hawaii feels about that show, but everyone's fantasy is going to Hawaii. And since that show, if anyone mentions Hawaii, I think, oh my God, White Lotus. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's going to poop in my suitcase. (laughs) (laughs) And and then you were in it and you're fantastic. Oh, thank you. One more thing I was going to say about Adam is that Adam is always like you. Adam has like uh, that thing in him where he's always worried about everyone else yes. to like make sure he takes care of everyone. Yeah. So he'd be very thoughtful if he was intruding or not wanting to bust in yes. on your time. So he's a good person to oh, he's do a, that. He's, you know what he's I mean? great. He almost overdoes it because I'd like it. I love that guy. And yeah. and and so it'd be nice if he stayed. So he has the impulse to come in yeah. and crash in. And then I'll say, oh, come on, let's sit. Let's let's talk. How are you? I got to go. I know when I'm not one. <laughs> no, please. Funny. I've literally made a pillow that says, stitched a pillow that says, Adam, please stay. It's on the couch. <laughs> That's so cute. I know you don't mean it. No, I stitched it myself. It took six weeks. I'm out of here. <laughs> out of the so but um, but yeah, White white Lotus, we were, we were back there in Hawaii visiting when the show was airing. And I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. Cause it is like white Lotus. And I was reminding myself of the character that I played, but, um, we had so much fun shooting that. Oh my God. Adam makes almost all of his movies in Hawaii. And I think he sets, I mean, if Adam was going to play a, a soldier fighting in world war two in, in like France and Paris, he'd insist they shoot it in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) And they'd put up a cardboard Eiffel Tower in the background. And it'd be like palm trees and Mm -hmm. people would be drinking, you know, Mai Tais with flowers in them and saying, it's Paris. (laughs) Exactly. So true. He knows how to do it right. There's so much to talk about. First of all, I want to start because you've written this uh, incredible memoir. And um, I've known your story. I think there are a lot of people out there that don't know your story. Yeah. And... um, you tell it really beautifully and there's some real darkness, but you tell it without pity. You mm-hmm. know, you're someone who's just saying, hey, here's what happened. Yeah. You and your family was in a, a terrible automobile accident when you were four years four. old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that crash, you lost your mother and a sister yes, my, and, and my, a cousin. Yes, yes. And so you literally come to in the hospital you know, I know we're taking a real hard turn here, but there's no other way to get into it. Yeah. There's a part that's just heartbreaking in the book where you don't know where your mom is and no one will tell you. Yes. They keep saying, everyone keeps saying, well, we'll get to that, you know, and your thought was she's in another room. Yeah. My thought was exactly Conan. I was like, people were bringing us all these gifts, like toys and, you know, trying to act really cheery. There were a lot of relatives and I was just like, I want to see my mom. And my my sister, Mary, was six at the time, so she and I survived. But I was like, where's my mom and where's Katie? And they wouldn't tell us, so I got myself dressed finally because I was like, nobody's telling me where they are. And I figured they must be in another section. I was like, my mom must be up there with Katie in the baby section. Katie must be with all the babies because mm. she's three and I really need to see her now. So I just insisted. So I put the robe on and I thought if I can just get up that ramp, I'll go through those double doors and they're probably up there. So I walked up and they were like, no, 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 no. You can't go in that section. And they escorted me back to my bed. And I was just, yeah, so upset. And then finally a relative did tell me that they had died and gone to heaven. They they pretty much told you 
because I think in the book, which uh, you you say they they don't even, I don't know if even though they say initially that that she died, they just say she's in heaven. Yeah, she's in heaven. And you're just trying to figure out, well, how do I? Because it's a very strange thing to tell any child yeah. that information, but. To go right to there in heaven, you were thinking, well, I don't understand. I mean, how do I get there? Because I need to go be with my mom. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That, exactly. that to me was just like, it's not like, okay, check that box. We right. we solve this problem because yeah. she knows she's in heaven. Because to you, that just meant like, well, no, I still need my mom. So how do I get there? What do we do? Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I think that, um, right, they were trying to really tie it up. Like, it's a good thing. Like, no, no, no. She's, she's in heaven. Like right. with the angels. And, and I was like... You know, I I really did. Yeah, my thought was, please, how can we get there? Like, could we could we fly there, or could we could we somehow see them or visit them? Or because I think you cannot understand at that age, it doesn't really make any sense. I think there's a big difference in losing a parent when you're four versus even seven or ten. Right. Or and at that time, I was just like, it's like like almost. There was no way that I could accept that or grieve her at that time because I think it would have like annihilated me truly. Yes, yeah. So I just was it's almost like protective that you didn't. Yeah. Th- there's something maybe I don't know in our makeup or our biology, but a four year old can't possibly understand yet, which might be a blessing. Exactly, which might be a blessing, right? So it came up later in life, much later, grieving my mom through like dating and falling in love. I grieved my mom through relationships with men more. Mm -hmm. That was strange that that didn't come up till then. But, but I was going to say that, yeah, right. It's like this fantasy that she'll be back at the house. So I made stuff up still waiting, hoping Mm -hmm. like, you know, for a long time, like, you know, I don't know. Strange how the brain, how a child's brain works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember very early on you talking about your dad, I don't know if it was because of this experience he went through or if he was like this way anyway, but he had kind of a go for broke attitude, not conventional, almost rules don't apply attitude mm-hmm. towards um, how you kids should see life yeah. you and your sister. So it was, yeah. I mean, this, I remember you telling me this a long time ago, but you recount it in the book, this time that he just kind of dared you and your sister at a young age to get on a plane by yourself. See if you can get on a plane by yourselves and go somewhere. Yes, exactly. With no plan and no- Nothing. He didn't even think that you would do it, did he? No, he did not think that we would do it. It was actually me and my friend, Ann Ramped, who was my childhood friend. He was like, you should do that. That would be the greatest dare. And we were like- very young. I think maybe like 11 and 13 or we were really young. I actually told the story in NPR. So they had to fact check it and call Ann Rampton, Jolene Rampton, all that. But but anyhow, oh, we don't fact check here. <laughs> yeah. so just go I wanted for to it. get the age right. I think it was 11 yeah. and 12. But basically, yes, he dared us and he never thought we would do it. And one summer day, we were like, we're going to do it. And so we told Ann Ramp's brother, Tom, we're going to do it. We're going to try to hop a plane. And so, but we figured if that didn't work to get on a plane, get on some flight, we would take, go back and take a ballet class. So we were dressed in leotards because <laughs> we were really into ballet. So sure. we had pink leotards on with skirts and we had a change of clothes and a plastic bag and a few dollars. That was it. But how did and you even buy a ticket? We didn't buy a ticket. So basically what we did was we got, we took the rapid transit and shaker to the Cleveland Hopkins Airport, and we looked at the monitor, and there was like a flight going to San Francisco and a flight to New York. And I was like, let's take the one to New York. And we were like, yes. And this is before, you know, 
9-11, there was no security. So you could walk straight up to the gate. And then we went up to the gate and we said to the stewardess who was checking passengers on the plane, we just said, oh, would it be okay if we go say goodbye to um, my sister? It'll just be so quick. And she was like, oh, sure. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> so we just like sprinted down the runway in our pink leotards with our hair. This is amazing. Oh, my God. And we were like. And it wasn't a very crowded flight. So we just went to the back and then we ducked down so she couldn't see us. And then she forgot about us. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, the plane's getting ready to take off. And we were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And so we grabbed one of those hands and we were like, just silently like, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then it was like, shh, up in the air. And we were like, squeezing one another, dying. And we were so excited. And then she came over, you know, like 15, no, 15 minutes later to ask us what we wanted to drink or eat as a snack, that same stewardess. And she was like, she looked like she was going to faint. Oh. She was like, can I get you ladies something to drink? Oh, she knew that yes, she had been had. She knew. Yeah. yeah. And then um, we thought we might get busted on the way out when the plane finally landed. We were like, are we going to get in trouble? But we did not. We just <gasps> like, you know, went down the runway and then we got to the front to exit the plane and she was just like, Bye, ladies. Oh, my God. Have a nice She didn't oh want to get in trouble. I would do the same thing. I know. Bye. Like this. She looked really scared. We were like, we're in New York City. <laughs> and we, yeah, we were 11 wow, okay. and 12. And we, and because we, in a way, I could see this flight <laughs> attendant thinking, if I don't acknowledge this, <laughs> it's not my screw up. Yep. So maybe these two kids are never heard from again, but- doesn't doesn't come back doesn't to me. Doesn't come back to me. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. Oh and we God. didn't have any money. So we were like, uh, I had never been, you know, I'd heard about places in New York City on the television. So I was like, let's go to Rockefeller Center. That's sure. where we wanted to go. Isn't wow. that weird? Yep. So we just asked strangers, like, how do you get to Rockefeller Center? <laughs> and they were like, so we oh had God. to take the subway from the airport. So we walked. It's like a 30-minute walk. So yeah. we walked and we jumped the turnstiles because we didn't have any money. And then we got to New York City. I love City. that you're in, and keep in mind, you're, you're dressed in ballet tutus the whole time. Yeah. It was like two little ballerinas on a crime spree in New York City. This <laughs> is oh, This is amazing. And then we were hungry and we went to a diner and we dined and dashed. We were like, we were just really bad. We stole things all day. Like, I love New York t-shirts. And, and then we called my dad. <laughs> and how did that go over? It was fine because he couldn't be mad because he had dared us to do it. So he was like, oh, my God, Mally. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. But he, he was excited, but he was also like he couldn't believe we pulled off the prank. So he couldn't be mad because he'd given us permission. Yeah. And then he called Jolene Ramped, Ann's mom, and she broke out in cold sores. She was like, oh, my God. And then my dad said, listen, why don't you try to find a place to stay for the night? And Mary and I will <laughs> <What>? drive. <laughs> You're eleven. <laughs> yeah. You're like 11 and 12. Oh what year is this too? Oh like what God. kind of New York? Are we talking about 70s, 80s Yeah, well, New York? it's like 70, 
six? Yeah. Yeah, this is Taxi Driver. Yes, this is right. This is Taxi Driver. This is uh, French Connection. You're driving around. Yeah, this is the worst New Year. Sid Vicious is in the hotel room next to you. Oh, my God. This is in New York. Oh. See if you can check out the Chelsea Hotel. It might be a good place for you to crash. Go down to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, check out CBGB's. They fit in perfectly. They were two little criminals. Yeah. Just stealing stuff. Unbelievable. Did you, were you, you were a gang no, from no, Warriors. So where did, you, where did you stay that night? <laughs> so we went and checked into a couple like nice hotels like in the Times Square area. And we we would ask, you know, could we stay? And my dad would call the hotel and say, we're going to be there. We'll, we'll arrive like at midnight tonight. But of course, the hotel said, no, we can't be responsible for two minors. He goes, but they'll wait in the lobby. No, 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 no. We need an adult in person with a credit card. So basically... We tried multiple hotels and they would not allow us. So, so then my dad said, well, you got to come back home. So, and he was like, and I'm not paying for it. So <laughs> figure it out. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Wow. So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching, you can go hiking in Yosemite, and then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want, they got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. 
undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. We had a full, fun, crazy day in New York City and the best day ever. And then when it started to get dark, we headed back to the airport and again, no cash. So we just sprinted over the turnstile back to JFK, looked for flights to Cleveland. But now in New York City, these flights were much more crowded. So we got up to the gate of one, tried to get on a seat, but sneak on a seat, same thing. Can we say goodbye to my sister? And then they people kept coming up. I'm sorry, this is my seat. Is there some mix up? Then we moved to another seat. Excuse me, this is our seat. It was a fully packed flight. So we came back out, called my dad and he was like, all right, I'll, I'll put it on my credit card, but you need to pay me back with your babysitting money. <gasps> so we did fly home wow. and he picked us up and we did celebrate. But and then we did eventually pay him back with all our babysitting. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's just insanity. And I, I, I funny. It was so fun. Oh my you know, God. I have to say it's funny because we live in this uh, era. I mean, I contrast it with with my childhood, and I had no experiences like that. But I was one of six. You know, my parents were busy, and I think there were whole swaths of time where they weren't quite sure where I was. <laughs> yeah, because that was the time. Now. My wife knows where our kids are every second of every day. There's no yeah. such thing as like, oh, I don't, you know, in third grade, I was taking a, you know, waiting for a bus on Route 9 to take me home. But it, it was not thought of as crazy at the time. What you're describing is insane in any era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the Middle Ages, you know, yeah. you could, <laughs> you could, I dare you yeah, to yeah. attack that castle in Scotland. I'm 11. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we live in the south of England. Go see if you can do it. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, because this leads to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which yeah. is in your comedy and your performance and, and particularly in Mary 
Catherine Gallagher, the physicality of it yeah. was what really made it special. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It was, and it doesn't, if you submitted a Mary, Mary Catherine, Catherine Gallagher as a, a in a script, it, you wouldn't understand. Yeah. You have to see you become that person and then yeah. hurl yourself yes. into iron folding chairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because there was no faking it. Mm-hmm. You would, am I right? Absolutely. I mean, it looked like you were you were getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. All those years you were playing her. I like the way it felt kind of, because it made me feel like, I, I think I was in a reckless place in my life where I didn't care. I was just like, ah, I liked bleeding and getting cut and bruised. And, you know, I kind of thought of it like punk rock, like it was a way to express anger and it felt good that it was really physical and I didn't care. I just didn't care. I would never do that now. I was in a different place in my life where I didn't mind bleeding and being cut and getting bruised. And, you know, it was like a very reckless and it has to do with losing my mom and anger and I was expressing myself. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It it, it, it totally mm-hmm. makes sense that it is a release. Yeah, it release. There are breakaway walls, but what people don't understand is it still hurts. Yes. Like if you, you know, the times that you would go through a wall and then rise up, you yeah. know, superstar, you know, yeah, yeah. but that hurts, you yes. know, and I've done it enough to know that that hurts and you were doing it at three times the velocity. That's so amazing. Brian Smy, they eventually got like a stunt guy because when I would first do it, I, I, yeah, I would just throw myself in the metal chairs and stuff. And then, then SNL hired a stunt man and Brian Smyge and they would, they were like, she's fucking out of her mind. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then it set a barometer for other stunt women where they would have to copy that. They go, we want that and more. So it's, it was like, they, so they were thought hated. I was crazy. They were hated by stunt people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They thought I was crazy. But, um, but I would never do that kind of thing now. But what I want to say too is it just, it also felt good to wake up Sunday morning. I like that my muscles hurt. It made me feel like I worked really hard and I feel like I poured myself into the characters. So it just felt good. So there was also not just well, a I, dark side to it. No, it no, no, no. Feel, but it's you know also what I, mean? what I, I what, what also I have to say, it's very Catholic too. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> no good can come without some suffering, pain yeah. and some suffering that's instilled in us pretty much at birth. Yes. And so um, the years I was at Saturday Night Live, I used to try and see, okay, most people stay up two nights. I'd try and stay up like three nights. Wow. I mean, literally to the point where like, um, I'm crying and a weird gel is coming out of my eyes. <laughs> <they're> melting, <laughs> you know? and, um, and there's this perverse, uh, I hate to say, it's not sexual. It's not like an S and M kind of thing, but yeah. it's a weird. I'm hurting myself for my craft. Isn't that yeah. isn't that good? And I totally agree with you. Now the idea uh, of having to go to a physical therapist the next day and work uh, on this for six weeks. Uh, I don't want to do it. that. No. I know. And it's so funny, Conan, because now I'm very different. Like if I do have to do a stunt, I actually just did a movie with. Um, Florence Pugh, and we had a very physical scene, and I wanted to have padding because it was really rough. I don't want to bust my rib anymore. It's not worth it. We're parents, and you know, so now I'm. I would never do that kind of stuff, and I'm so glad I didn't have a, a serious injury. Thank God, because you know, you could have. I could have broken my neck or back, or like you're saying, a hip or something like that. Yeah, I was reading in the book, and you, you, there's this part where you you took Mary Catherine Gallagher very seriously and you wrote down different rules for her. Yeah. <laughs> which were important for you. Yeah. And 
your approach was almost quite method and quite serious. Like you went at it as these are the rules for Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yeah. She's terrified. She's afraid. She's so shy, shy, shy. She starts off shy. And I also wrote too that the audience must know what she wants. It has to be crystal clear. She wants this. She wants to get this part. And it has to be life or death stakes. So it makes that release like blast off. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, And then one thing I wanted to say too, I, I feel like Hollywood loves an extrovert. It's like, oh, an extrovert. Yay. But I feel like I love introverts. I love when people are quiet and awkward. And I like when they don't know what to say. Or I like when mistakes are made. I think it's so funny and sweet. I know that you know we're here talking about the book, but you also did uh, this uh, TV show I love that for you, yeah. which, uh, oh, yeah. I just finished it last night. I wrapped. Yeah. yeah. You just wrapped we it just and it's it. coming out. And I wanted, I was really curious because I love your work. And I watched this two episodes of this show okay. they sent me. Yeah. I mean, I swear to God, I think they edited it an hour beforehand and sent it to me. But yeah. this is a show that couldn't have existed 20 years ago because yeah. there's such small moments that are so great. Yeah, I'm doing that show with Vanessa Bayer, who's also from Cleveland, Ohio. And, and she's so funny. She's so funny and so great. And Jesse Klein and Jeremy Byler and Mike Showalter. You know, one of the things you talk about in the book that blew me away, which I did not see coming and I did not know, there was a uh, Saturday Night Live Mother's Day special. Yes. And I did remember at the time that all the different cast members brought their mom on. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you couldn't do that. So you brought your dad. Mm -hmm. And then there was some revelations afterwards. Yes. Well, my dad was, he always kind of wanted to be an actor himself. (laughs) He would have loved to have pursued a career in show business professionally and taken acting classes at the Cleveland Playhouse. And he did his own writing um, after the accident to help with the grief about losing his wife and his baby daughter and niece. So he wrote a lot um, about how sad he was and Mm -hmm. also the good memories. And I put that in the book too, because I loved his writing and he really loved performing. And we would do scenes around the house a lot, like acting exercises. And I'll get to Saturday Night Live. But I became interested in acting because of my dad. So he would have us do like skits in the house where he'd go, okay, pretend that somebody calls on the phone and you have to trick your friend so they think somebody's really calling. And we would practice and it had to be very real. And if it wasn't real, he'd be like, stop, that seemed fake. So I started with the Jim Shannon School of Acting. (laughs) So we would be like, hello, Shannon residents. This is Molly speaking. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he's right here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Conan. And then we, so we would, so he would really, we would trick our friends so much because the acting was so real. So that comes from my dad. But what I wanted to say was, so when I brought him to SNL for the Mother's Day special, it was like making a man's dreams come true. Yeah. He wanted to be an actor. But what's so sad was when he came to visit, he did confide in me. He was shivering in the dressing room and Kate Farrell put a sweater on him and he was acting a little weird. Like he seemed so thin and a little shaky and he wasn't, you know, he didn't seem, he seemed thinner, like not fully his full energy, but it was like, I finally got him on SNL. This is what he wanted, his dream, but he was dying of cancer. And he told me, during that trip, we were up there oh in a hotel God. and he was like, I do have cancer and, you know, I do 
you know, have a little bit of a death wish, you know, he just didn't want to go through all the chemo and all that. He didn't want to do that. So it was, it was hard having him on there. No, it was great having him, but he didn't look his best because he looked kind of thin. And he also wasn't telling me he had cancer. So when we filmed our bit, I was like, daddy, he felt like he was like a little slow. It's like, speed it up, you know, come on, come on. And, you know, but he was having fun too, because he got to, we got to go through hair and makeup and he got to, he goes, boy, people don't know what goes into this. This is hard. (laughs) I was like, exactly. So he really got to have the great experience. But when it did air, he was like, oh, I hated the way I looked. And and he he called me. I was in Canada shooting a I wish movie. you could have told him that's all of us. Yeah, I did. <laughs> cancer or I no said- cancer, anything <laughs> I do, if if I accidentally see it on a screen, uh, I'm horrified. Horrified. So I wish- I told him. Yeah. <laughs> I said, daddy, we all feel that way. Every Oh, I thought you told him Conan hates the way he looks. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he has a right. <laughs> My dad loved you, Conan. Uh-huh. You, you and Adam were so nice to him. And I remember he- he was so excited that he got to see that life through me, like come to parties and meet Conan O'Brien and Adam Sandler. I mean, it was like I made his dreams come true, you know? And I still often ask myself, like, do I really still like this or did I just do this for my dad? Like, cause I am a quiet person. Like, I don't care if somebody doesn't know what I do or I don't, I don't need that to esteem myself. I am more serious. So, so I do think. I think about that a lot. Like, do I want to make sure I still like it? I don't want to just be phoning it in or, you know, if I ever felt like it wasn't right. I think that the business can be so hard because you can always feel like you have to, you're not measuring up or it's never enough. It's like, it's so fucking exhausting. I just don't like those kind of childhood patterns where you have to keep going to like not feeling like enough. It's so old. I don't like it. Those games are useful for a while. There's this, you know, this repetitious thought and cycles and putting yourself down and trying to build yourself back up again. And, yeah. So, but you can you can do that. You can go through those cycles for a long time and and these negative thought patterns. And then what happens is you just get older. You, you have kids, and then you start to realize as they're growing up, oh. This is so much more important yes. than this, this bullshit I've it, been completely <laughs> worrying about all yeah, the time. Yeah. How's the show? How's the show doing? What what could be better? How could I have done that better? Kids really help. Oh, they help me a lot. They really do. It's so true. I feel like my whole life changed having kids and it's, it becomes about them, of course. So it's like, it just seems so self-involved to even think about that. I'm like, this is their time. You know what I mean? So I just think I actually feel embarrassed. Like I don't like getting recognized when I'm with them because I'm like, this is their time. They don't mind. They understand showbiz and stuff. But, um, Right. Obviously it gets to where you want and it's good to have that drive. And, but after a while, you're right. It does get old. And I, I like to feel like, ah, I measure up. I I just don't want to have that map anymore of like not feeling like you don't measure up and you're not enough. I don't want to be doing that when I'm like now and 60 and 70. It's just, it's exhausting. Did you get a lot of help getting to that? I did. Yes. I've worked hard in therapy on myself. That's good. I, I talk about, I try and encourage people to get help because- it doesn't go, you can't do it on your own. You actually need yeah. another person in the room. Um, some people need medication, you know, you like, you need a little bit of help yeah. to, and you, and it's, it's like anything else. It's like, uh, if you want a six pack, which thank God I don't, um, you, you have to do a lot of crunches and repetitions. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. know which kind of six pack you were. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I really want a six pack. Anyway, um, it's all through repetition and, yes. and, and going at it again and again and again. And I think that's, uh, one of the things that, uh, 
<sighs> just they, makes your life better. Yeah. I feel like happier and better. And I, I was never, I think there are some people where they have that flight response where things get too deep in therapy and then they flee because they can't deal with it. And then they're leaving at a point where they're like walking out there angry or whatever in the world. But I always, I always wanted to confront stuff. I like it because I felt like it just made me happier and calmer. And so I've always been open to doing that kind of work and it just has made my life better. Yeah. Yeah. You left SNL and you talk about it in the book. You had encountered people who said, Oh, this is going to be great. You know, SNL is a great stepping stone. And yeah. your reaction was, what are you talking about? Yeah. What's a stepping stone. Yeah, I like, was like, what? This is everything. It's this everything. Is, I yeah. could just stop right here. I could freeze myself. Like this is this is just I I can't believe I even came this far. I never even dreamed it could be like this. I could just freeze and that would be enough. And but, that's but, truly how I feel. But Molly, but that is unusual because oh. most people it's very human, but most people, when you get one thing, you immediately make it the very least you should have. This yeah. is something humans just do. It becomes like, this is the very least I should have. And I see this in show business all the time. People go from, oh my God, I can't believe I'm this, this is even happening to me. And within three months, they're saying, I've got this. Yeah. How do I get that? Ugh. And if I don't get that, I kind of failed. Yeah. And the thing is, if you feel inadequate, working more is not going to fix that. You know what I mean? Like I always try to think that. Like I don't, do you know what I mean? Yes. That, I mean, sometimes if it's bringing you joy, great. But I think a lot of times people are like, ah, I gotta, you know, they're competing with something and they're, and they're, but you may be competing with somebody who has a serious work addiction. So like, look at it as that, you know, right. don't, Mike White says this great thing where he was like, my mom always wins by being the happiest. And I was like, that's amazing because it, it, for some people it can be to the point where it's not about, you know, money. It's about like power and you know what I mean? Yeah. It just can get really unhealthy. And I, I love, being creative, but I also want to be happy. I don't want to do it at the expense of my children and being present for them. And I think because I lost my mom as a kid, I feel really wanting to grab this time now. I have an urgency about it, knowing that you never know how long you have with somebody. So I really realized, oh my God, you're up to bat, you know, because I lost her so young that I want to do a really good job as a mom. That's like my number one thing. Does that make sense? Yes. And so I don't want to miss out on that, you know? Of course. Yeah. And I just think, I think because I struggled so long to make it that I really appreciate it. You know what I mean? And uh, I think the same with SNL. I was always like, I could just stop right here. I knew what that type of gig was, how special it was, and it's live. And I do think Lorne knew that about me. I was just like, oh my God, I, I this is the greatest ever. Like nothing may ever top this live performance experience. And that's true. There's, It's just spectacular. There is nothing like that, you know? So I did know that when I was there isn't, and I, I appreciate it. Isn't it funny? And I, I think- uh, uh, that and we both saw this and we've seen it time and time again. But Lauren Michaels has kind of a, a fascination and real appreciation for Irish Catholics. Does you he know cool he him? does he really yeah. does? And I just keep thinking about all down the line. I think because he grew up, you know, this Jewish kid in Toronto, he's just fascinated by like who are these people? It's so <laughs> they're, true. They're crazy. <laughs> Uh, they're crazy. They're crazy, but I think he's uh, he is amused by us. He and, really? and thank God, because, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> he's by given us all these amazing lives. Yeah. Before we go, I just have to get you to, there's so many- <laughs> So many things in this book. I really want people. I really want to encourage people to get it. Hello, Molly, a memoir because you are very honest about the scams you pulled yes. in your life, um, and you sound 
this is a compliment, Sona. <laughs> Sona uh, has no fear in some situations. Yeah, she's yeah. she's dabbled in shoplifting no and and car dabbled. theft and um, car theft. <laughs> We haven't proven you haven't done it. Well, okay. But- um Because I know that you're saying, so then you have this whole part where you're trying to get started in show business and you have a scam where you tell people that you work with David Mamet. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's just a lie, but it works. Doesn't it work? It did. But my friend Gene Pack and I did study with him at NYU Drama School, Tisch School of the Arts. Uh, um, I wasn't in his class for too long, but when we were trying, struggling actors trying to get our faces seen out in Hollywood, it was so hard to get an agent. You would send your headshot in and nobody would call. And so we were like, we got to like bust through somehow. So I thought of this and basically what we did was we would um, go to AFI library and study managers and agents we wanted to pursue because there was a big book that said who Joan Cusack's were represented by this person or that. So we would have a list of people we wanted to meet. And then Friday night at about a Friday afternoon at about four, we would each have a list where I had five people I wanted him to call and he had five people he wanted me to call for him, agents and managers to get in. And we would say, yes, can I speak to whatever ex agent? Mm -hmm. um, this is, uh, you know, Liz Stockwell, that was my name, calling from <laughs> David Mamet's office. And I would, I would love for you, oh my God. I would love for you to meet, um, you know, uh, can you please put the agent on? They'd be so excited. Oh my God, David Mamet's office. And the reason maybe we chose him was because we knew he was on the East Coast, maybe in Vermont, wasn't coming, wasn't in Hollywood. So it was, but then people were really delighted that maybe David Mamet was thinking of them. And they were like, right away, let us put you through to, you know, ex agent. And then the agent would get on the phone and I would say, hi, whatever, Barb, you know, this is Liz Stockwell. So we have this great, <laughs> we have this great kid in town. He's doing David's new show. We would make him the star of David's new play and he's in town taking meetings and he's going to go back to New York because they're in rehearsals, but we would love to have you meet him. And they would say, you know, oh, sure, we'll have, have Gene call me when he gets to town. I was like, you know what? His schedule's so busy. If I could just set the appointment now for him to meet you. And we couldn't hang up the phone till he had the appointment. And so we had the appointment in the books. Yeah. And so whatever, whatever obstacle there was in the mammoth scam, we had an answer because we had both worked in telemarketing. So we were like, if they say this, we say this. If they say, don't hang up till you got that credit card, you know, make the sale. So basically, and I would say, David just speaks so highly of your company and you, and we'd love to be represented by your company. And they'd be like, oh yeah. my God, yes, let's get an appointment. And then Gene would make calls for me saying he was Arnold Katz. And we would, and we would, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then we Oh my God. We met everyone. Bernie Brillstein, we called Bernie, and he was like, you know, have Molly call my daughter Lee. And he was so nice. And, you know, that's so we met everyone. It worked. It worked. And that's how I got my first agent. Oh my God. And Gene got, we got jobs. You but know. let me just put it out <laughs> there. Amazing. Let me just put it out okay. there. If you're listening, this is something that will work for you too. But it has to be David Mamet. Oh no! You have to keep even sticking now. with David Mamet. Yeah, even to, it's still today. You have to. Uh, I, I I go to a restaurant that he goes to every now and then, and I see him and chat with him. And and uh, you do? Yeah, he goes. He's to, a really. He's a great teacher. And we so can't trust you. We can't trust you with that. Yeah. Well, you don't. We don't know if you know him or not. Yeah. Well, you're a know, liar. I don't know if you would remember anything him. you say of that's Mamet related is a lie. Yeah. Did you even go to NYU? Yeah, Liz Stockwell. Yeah. David Mamet was always like, if you're not 15 minutes early for class, you're late. 
That was his philosophy. Wow. Right. Yes. But no, he's Well, so he's often talented. late to this restaurant. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, and anyway, I just, I, I hope that everyone else starts doing it. And, uh, I, you know, I started every now and then people are so hungry for celebrity dish. Yeah. Uh, there was a period of time when I was uh, doing a stand-up tour and at the end when the, you know, when my set was done, people would ask me questions and people, the question I get all the time is, okay, who's the worst guy? And I'd say, well, I don't yeah. want to say, and I go, come on, come on. So I just started throwing out a name at random and it was Willem Dafoe. <laughs> That's <laughs> And people were like, gasp. And some people in the audience would be like, I knew it. And oh. First of all, let me just make it very clear. I've met Willem Dafoe and interviewed him a number of times. One of the loveliest people you'll ever meet. I can yeah. imagine. But I just, it's one of those names where who would lie about Willem Dafoe? <laughs> no one. That's you wouldn't hysterical. lie about Willem Dafoe. It's but. too interesting a name and too interesting a choice. So I'd go Willem Dafoe and people would, you know, in the audience would be like, oh, I always liked him. Damn him. Damn Dafoe. And then I'd have to say at the end of the show, I swear to God, I was lying about Willem Dafoe because I, I couldn't. I couldn't commit to it. He's too. He's too nice. That is so funny. But um, I don't know. I'm. I'm very happy for you. I'm really happy that you got that you wrote this book because your spirit's in this book. Your story is tremendous, but uh, your spirit is is here in the book, and I think people are going to absolutely love it. And I root for anything that brings you more happiness because you've made so many people happy. Oh, you really have. Thank you. And I know that your your mom would have been very proud of you, you know, and your dad was so proud of you that I hope that's all healing for you, that you know how much joy you've brought, not just people you're related to, but so many comedy fans. You should feel the goodness. Thank you, you, Conan. That's so sweet. I really do try to take that in. I think um, initially it was hard for me. Like when I was first on SNL, I would I felt this feeling like I thought that if I performed and got to the top and got an SNL and did backflips and did all this, I actually got very depressed at the peak of SNL because I I think I've been running and trying to achieve for so long that I thought, oh, well, that will bring my mother back. And then when she didn't come back, because people come up and compliment me, but I couldn't really take it in because I was like, oh, I just really want her. You know what I mean? But then when I came to terms with that and kind of allowed myself to be depressed for several months, I could enjoy just being creative and enjoy it. And I, I do feel that way now. Now I can really enjoy it if I make people happy. But I had to go through a process of grieving my mom and realizing fame doesn't fix anything, you know yeah. what I mean? But um, but thanks for saying that. That's well, so there's sweet. this old like Latin saying. I think it's uh, maybe it's Greek, and it was stolen by the Romans. I don't know, but it was uh, <laughs> basically uh, through tears, wisdom, you know. And it's yeah. something I really believe in, which is it takes time, and um, we have a society that's obsessed with avoiding pain. Yeah. Uh, and um, people get into all kinds of trouble trying to avoid pain, and yeah. when you just when you sit with it for a little bit uh, and enough time has gone by, yeah. you can actually get this grace, this feeling of like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay yeah. now. So you deserve that. You deserve oh, that. You're absolutely you. one of my favorite people and um, so happy for you. And thank next time you. I will knock on your door. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. And I hope that I'll be like, come on in, Conan you, O'Brien. You won't. <laughs> 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 so insulting. <laughs> wait, wait, why? Because my people have been here for 180 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Conan O'Brien, the weed leprechaun. Oh, no. no, no, no. I would love that. I would love that. Oh my God. Remember um, remember when we did the show where I told you Heather Graham has a crush on you? Yeah. Oh. That was fun. Um, thank, <laughs> can I just say thank you for mentioning that on air? Wow. I wanted to. That's really cool. So I just had to end with that. Maybe we could put that on a loop. 
Yeah. Oh, you mean, sure it wasn't Lindsey Graham? <laughs> hey, it's both. Okay. Oh. Well, this um, is such a pleasure. And I want to say I'm so happy for all of your tremendous success. Well, thank you. Both professionally and personally. And I am proud to know you. Oh. Uh, the end. Yay! <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Cap'n Crunch. This has meaning for me, okay? Because I grew up as a child obsessed. My brothers and I were obsessed with sugar cereals. We loved Cap'n Crunch. And then when they came out with Cap'n Crunch and Crunch Berries, oh. I just, it was like Oppenheimer. <laughs> I saw a white light and I knew that life had changed forever. And true story, I was just back in Boston visiting my brother, Neil. And not kidding, he is two years older than me. We are grown-ass adults. What do we do? We sit down at our kitchen table in Brookline, Mass., and we both crack open a box of Captain Crunch with Crunch oh Berries. My God. And we had it together, multiple bowls. And I was so happy. Oh, it's nice that you have that. It really is. Break away from the ordinary with Captain Crunch and bring back the spirit of adventure to your mornings. Everyday life can be stressful, but I've got to tell you, it's just such a sense memory for me. Not just original Cap'n Crunch, which is great. Then, oops, all berries yeah, they came up with. I remember that. Usually I don't eat foods that have oops in the title. <laughs> but when they came up with oops, all berries, I was there. Peanut butter. Oh my God. Peanut butter crunch is fantastic. It turns the milk into this cool peanut butter milk. I love it. Join the crew for your next breakfast time crunch venture. That's a word now. Buy Captain Crunch's new Cinnamon Crunch now at a retailer near you and learn more at captaincrunch.com. Neil, we made it! <laughs> you know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check terrific, out brunch. Boy. That's brunch. all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Aaron 
Dan Blair, who you may be familiar with. We call podcast. him uh, Blay. Blay. Yeah. Blay has been with me. I believe he started working on the show as an intern back when the TV show, I think, was in black and white. <laughs> it was a long, long time ago. And then uh, rose to prominence uh, with our online stuff. And uh, we did Clueless Gamer together. And he's we've been joined at the hip for a long, long time. Well, he often takes a look at the Conan subreddit. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a new thread, a hearty discussion. Do you want to hear the subject? I'll admit I'm horrified. Don't be. I'm, okay. I, d- I don't want to embarrass. Do you know what a subreddit is? It's yeah. The, it's the one that's beneath the Reddit. Okay. Yeah, in a way you're right. Yeah. All right. I think Conan is so attractive. Now, wait a minute. You said this is a hot debate. <laughs> no, I said, <laughs> that's I said a healthy- I don't think I said debate. Did I say debate? You said a hot topic. Hot topic. Making yeah. it seem like it was something that people were having a heated oh. discussion yeah, about. Yeah, you sound like, well, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato. There are people out there that think Conan's attractive. And then, of course, uh, just as many people are firing back. I just mean it's a popular thread. Hey, okay. see, that's nice. I've always liked Conan, but now I'm starting to think of him as attractive. His personality. What do you mean a- now I'm starting to think of him as attractive? Well, you're just growing into there. it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up. For okay, a bit. go ahead. His personality is amazing and his sense of humor is great. I can't stop watching videos of him. I just think he's so cute. Please tell me there's some Conan fangirls out there. Then the first comment is, come on, Conan, we know this is you. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) I worked hard disguising myself. And someone's gone as far as to say, I've thought this since I was a teen. Top five Conans. Bearded Conan during writer strike. Conan showing off his long legs. Conan delivering Chinese food in NYC. Conan playing air guitar. Does this make you uncomfortable or do you love this? Uh, wow. Let's see. Um, both. Okay. Uh, how about that? Is that a fair answer? Yeah. yeah it's a so. sushi roll. The, there's a discomfort of rice and there's the, of course, hearty protein of <laughs> someone out there likes me. <laughs> What's that show? Crazy. Was it cra- Crazy Stupid Love or whatever? What's that? That uh, movie. The yeah, movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy Stupid. Yeah. Crazy Stupid Love with uh, with Emma Stone Steve and Steve Carell, and, uh, Ryan, and the movie Ryan start, Gosling. Yeah. The movie starts with, um, in, and I saw it in the movie theater. And the movie starts with uh, Emma Stone saying, "You know, I kind of think Conan O'Brien's, you know, is that right? Yeah, like, you know." And then immediately, and I was sort of, I was in the movie theater thinking, "Well, hello, you know, this is just about to pat myself on the back." And then the character she's talking to is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, do you think I'd want to mess? And then she says, do you, th- do you think I'd want to mess around? I don't want to mess around with his ginger junk was what she said. <laughs> I'm in the theater and I'm sitting next to my wife. And my wife is like nodding. I'm like, yeah, Trump. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> and she's there nodding like... My my wife yelled out, "Preach!" <laughs> Amen. Been there, been there, and done that. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, and um, so uh, yeah, I've been uh, humiliated many times. Come on, but you you're focusing on that. But Emma Stone's character said you were attractive. Her why, character did. Come on, but then someone wrote that. Like, why can't you just be like, "Nice job, Cones. Yeah. Well done." Okay. Yeah. Do you agree that to me, it's funny that whenever something like that happens in my life, it's immediately followed by the other thing. Not Uh, this. Not Not always. This This whole thread is 
positive reinforcement. In fact, it folds in on itself. It says, this is the first time I'm reading this, Gorley reading this thread to Conan on the podcast would be gold. (laughs) And then the next comment is, as a dude who loves, oh, Conan and Gorley for so many different reasons, please let this happen. Yes. Yes. And then the next comment is, all caps, Conan in jeggings. Oh my God, I remember that. I remembered, I believe the three the three Kardashian sisters were on that day. Yeah. That I wore jeggings. Uh, I think they were, yeah. And then I walked out in the hall afterwards and was talking to them and realized, here's chatting up the Kardashians as one does. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked like my lower half had been spray painted yes. with an acid wash. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, I yep. met Conan a few years back. I have had, will always have a huge crush on him. See, that's something you can't mitigate. Like that's- that's undeniable. What's this guy's name? Lindsey Graham. I was so <laughs> I was so nervous that Mutual my, Lindsay. <laughs> I was so nervous that my husband had to really push me to talk to him. So I don't think my hubby has any clue how hot for Conan I am, or else he'd be jealous. I mean, I've seen it in person though. When we went on tour, there were a lot of people. There was a girl, and it was in the documentary where she was wearing a shirt that said Dreaming of Bone and Conan. Oh wow. Right. You know yeah. how much how hard it was for me to make that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I sold. I made them myself with iron-on, with iron-on letters, and I sold them in the lobby myself by yourself. Yeah, with a mustache on, so That's no one. So I'd be like, oh, ladies, so uh, if you like uh, most ladies, you want to buy this accent? shirt? I had a bad accent. You, you would like the Bonin with Conan shirt. Sometimes it'd be like Conan. This is so sad. No, I'm not the Conan man. <laughs> I am from the other country. <laughs> the other country. <laughs> you hadn't even thought your character. I hadn't really <laughs> given it a lot of thought. I was so busy making the Bonin with Conan t-shirts that I, I had to get it out there. I got to share more of these. I okay. mean, it goes against all my fiber of my being to give you this joy, but he's the hottest. Here's another one. Oh my God. OMG is how it was written in full disclosure. I have a huge crush on Conan since the seventh grade. I'm in my thirties now and he's still the hottest celebrity in my book. Yeah. He's been my crush for 30 years. Wow. It's good. It's just it goes on and on. how old I am. No. I how love, do you hear that? Conan's been my crush Jesus. for 75 years. This is on and on about how I've had a crush are. on Grandma Moses <laughs> <laughs> since 1911. Uh, uh, do they well, mention us at all, girls? Not really. Oh, no. Yeah, what is that? Just so. crap. Mm. Yeah. It's okay. That's all right. Yes, girl, he is adorbs. His personality and genuineness deaf helps too, heart. (laughs) I'm I'm a straight male. I think I'd let Conan have his way with me. (laughs) Well, now we're getting somewhere. Finally. Pay dirt. I've had a big crush on Conan since I was 13, 14. I'm almost 25 now and I still have a thing for him. Some friends of mine in college would call me Conan after I started talking about my crush on him. LMAO. I even saw the show live in 2016 and he waved at me. I practically swooned. I think if I met him, I would die happy. LOL. Wink, wink. I remember waving at that audience member. Uh, Yeah. You're you're their slash. How he's like my love. Yeah. You're theirs. Right. Mm. Gorley, who's your big celebrity crush? Ava Green. Really? Yeah. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. I love her. Ava Green, she was Vesper Lynn yeah, in Vesper Casino Lynn in Royale. Fir- in the first- I knew she was a Bond girl. Yeah, yeah in Casino Royale. Yeah, oh. she's yeah. the best one. She's- uh, I Google her. God, she's beautiful. And and honestly, too, Judy Greer, past guest oh my, of the oh, show. Oh, 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 tell me about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's uh, a beautiful woman who's also hilarious yeah. and has an amazing personality. Yeah. I was a little and, bit nervous when she was on. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah. Oh, she's pretty. Yeah. 
you kept um, crying. I did. And once you tried to touch a strand of her hair, I, I tried to snip it off. Yeah. Wait, who's your who was your crush? I, there's two men. <laughs> Just, Over the years, there's got to be yeah, like, but come there's got to be one. Oh, um, there are. Okay, there are. You I guess it's them. different for you because you meet them and yeah. you know them, and that's that'd be, be weird. Out. Yeah, I am. My my celebrity crush is Amanda Seyfried as. Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> the Theranos woman. Yeah. Yeah. With the voice. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, do that voice. <laughs> Put on way too much lipstick. Now, wear this black turtleneck. Now, try and convince me you have a system for measuring uh, blood with one drop that doesn't work. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I love you. That's my official kink. That's like, probably <laughs> what life is, sex life is if like went, with her. And if her I guy. went to a, if I went to a dominatrix, I would say, uh, "Could you, uh, could you dress up as?" A, they'd be like, "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who's yours, Elizabeth? Slash?" Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Slash. I mean, before Slash, it was Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block. He's the first boy that I was like, Aw. oh. Yeah. But then Slash was my like. I mean, there's no other way to say this. He was my sexual awakening. Oh, that was what Blondie was to me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Oh, my God. But yeah. that's the comic strip, the old comic strip. Yeah, the comic strip <laughs> with Dagwood eating a giant sandwich. That was your crush. That's Don't a joke. talk no about one, it too much. Huh? No one's going to get that. I love crushes. Uh, yeah. uh, I used yeah. to love having a crush. It was awful, but I loved it. Yeah. I, in the early days of the late night show, I would have them. I mean, that's why that's too many. It was just- Night I was young night. and these beautiful women were coming on all the time. And there were, I mean, I remember the first time Jennifer Connelly came on the show. Oh, yeah. And um, I had to go and have my eyes surgically removed. Mm. And Because <laughs> they just came popping out of my head and exploding. <laughs> oh, I know. I just, she's so beautiful and lovely. Just such a lovely person. But yeah, yeah I was getting uh, crushes all the time back in the day, the 90s. It's just one long crush-a-thon. Mm. But it's all in the past now for I'm married, ladies. Yeah. And I won't be for long if I keep using this voice. <laughs> Wait, you and the Theranos woman get together with those two voices. Hello, Amanda Seyfried is Elizabeth Holmes. I wish to date you. Oh, yeah, I don't think that's possible. I'm busy working on uh, this mechanism. I dropped out of uh, Berkeley after uh, sophomore year. What a boner killer. Uh, well, I think we'd make a wonderful couple. I am Colonel O'Brien from the 90s. You're Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes. I must have you. Uh, okay. But first, I need you to invest $40 million uh, in this uh, very flawed machine that keeps exploding Walgreens. You're turning me on, you... You temptress! I want to put some erotic music under that. <laughs> what a sad sexual fantasy. Though. That's my sexual fantasy. Conan O'Brien from the 90s. Like 93, 94 when my voices appear because I'm so I'm trying so hard to please. And uh, Amanda Seyfried playing uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Oh. Hello, who is it? Why, Greetings! portrayal of Elizabeth Holmes? <laughs> it's I, Conan O'Brien from the early 90s. I've brought you flowers. Oh, if you could just put those flowers over in the corner. Uh, I'm working on uh, taking apart this machine that we stole so that we can turn it into what looks like a Theranos machine to defraud investors. Well, it sounds like an erotic evening for us. <laughs> Let's get to it. I love that turtleneck. It swallows your whole head. Yeah, I'm worrying it all. 
Anyway, uh, you wouldn't happen to have $65 million. <laughs> oh, you're turning me on. I love being defrauded by you. Biographical portrayal of Elizabeth Holmes as played by Amanda Seyfried. I'm close. I'm so close. Just talk to me a little more. Tell me how it's going to be in every Walgreens. Well, the plan is to have there be a wellness center in every Walgreens. And Kimmy B, we got there. <laughs> that's right. That's how Conan O'Brien orgasms in 1994. Oh, God. Kimmy B. Oh, God. And a dibbity dabbity do. No. No. <laughs> Where's my human resources button? I love, I love, I love my insistence on calling her (laughs) dramatic portrayal. (laughs) It's not Amanda Seyfried and it's not Elizabeth Holmes. It's Elizabeth Holmes as portrayed by Amanda Seyfried. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Becton. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com.